Welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name is Mike. I'm the pastor at WBC. I found a beautiful place, uh, although on a, a rather grey day, to be talking to you today. And we're on the seventh of our eight-part series called Growing on the Front Line. Running this in parallel with the work of LICC and looking at part of how we work as individual people and partly how we put to work our understanding of what it means to be like Jesus in the places that we find ourselves day by day. And that may be a work environment or a home environment or a place where we encounter people such as the school gates and things like that. It is a little bit noisy here, but I'm hoping that A, you can hear me, and B, uh, I'm able to draw on something of the, um, the lessons that we learn, lessons we learn from how water works and what being in a natural landscape is like. But before we get to those things, we're going to pray and then we're going to read uh, two passages, first of all, from James 1. So let's pray. Lord, we put ourselves in your hands. We're only here listening and reading and thinking because of the desire we have to be more like Jesus. And so, Father, we ask that you'd show us Jesus. And Jesus, we ask that you would help us become more like you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that we would make the most of the power and guidance that you offer as we look to become more like the people you made us to be the humanity that you envisaged when you created us. Amen. Okay, so we're in James 1 to start with. I'm reading from verse 19, and I'm in the NIV. It says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. As we've looked through this series growing on the front line, one of the key things that we've had to come to grips with and be honest about is what we are like as people. We've talked about the desires that we have, the, the risk of unchecked or unnoticed or, or un. Um, recognize desires the things that are in us that we either don't see or don't do anything to take control of consciously at this point in this eight-part series we're looking at something of how we can take how we are understanding ourselves and put it into practice and the reason why this passage is particularly important is because it, it does something that Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount it says, do you know what, just listening to this stuff and understanding it isn't enough. Doing it is what counts. That is a big part of what Jesus was talking about when he referred to the um, wise and foolish builders who were 
uh, building on stone or rock or on sand. Because that was about obedience. Whoever hears my words and does what they say, acts on them, obeys them. He is like someone who builds his house on rock. And here we have James saying, it's no good thinking about this stuff, recognizing its value, realizing what Jesus has to offer and then totally failing to put it into practice. And the way James puts that point across is by saying it's like looking in a mirror and then forgetting what you look like the minute your back is turned. What's the point in looking in the mirror if you're not going to pay any attention to how you look? What we've done over the last few weeks is give ourselves opportunities, open windows for ourselves to look at who we are, how we tick, what makes us be the kind of people that we are, and then think about where those characteristics come from and what we might do about them. It would be straight up foolish for us to think that just by reading about how Jesus intends humanity to work, just by reading about it and thinking about it, it will then become a reality in our lives. The truth is that if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to make choices. Now, it's not just about making the choices about what we do and say. Those things are crucial. But it's about making the choice to recognise who we currently are and how that maybe might need to change. Now, look at this river behind me. It's stunning. You maybe saw a moment ago a, um, a, a postman going across the ford that is up there. I know you can see a bridge, but that's only for pedestrian traffic. If you want to drive uh, on the road, you've got to go through the water. The water is powerful. Powerful enough that it is absolutely shaping the landscape around me here. Well, you can't see all of it, but just down here, the water is suddenly a lot deeper than it is up there where the cars go. The water cuts through the landscape. It shapes the things around it. There are trees here that look like they've been around for a long time. They are where they are because of the way the water has left the land. And here's the thing. Who we are shapes the world around us. The characteristics that we have, the, the tendencies that exist in our personality, our automatic responses under particular circumstances, they all have a big part to play in how the world works around us. I was reading recently of a, a rewilding project that included the introduction of a, uh, a species that had long been gone. So this is in Yellowstone National Park, I think, in America, and the grey wolf was reintroduced, having not been there since the 20s. As a result, the herding, um, the herd, uh, what are they called, livestock, uh, buffalo, I think, changed the way in which they function. So because of a caution about a predator, they didn't stop feeding, but they fed in a more careful way. And as a result, their impact on the landscape changed and other creatures were able to thrive that had been suppressed because there was unchecked grazing. The introduction of the wolf had re-established something, rebalanced something, and that needed to happen. The impact of how we are and who we are is profound on the people around us. You will have come across those who are um, highly emotional, 
or who struggle to communicate or who are really idealistic or who are so laid back it doesn't seem that they really care and, and none of those things writes off a personality but all of those things can have a profound impact on the community around that individual. James says in this passage that unless we're willing to put into practice what we learn about how Jesus intends us to be and live there's no point just reading it. You might as well look in a mirror and then forget who you are. Paying attention, reflecting on ourselves is at the heart of this entire sequence of teaching and it's at the heart of discipleship. We are not called to be the same people with better intentions. We're called to be transformed, to have our minds renewed as Paul puts it in Romans 12. We are called to become different people, not to throw out our personality, but to recognise it and to, to play a role in how it is being developed and grown. Now there are massive challenges in this, not least that this sometimes means taking a look, hard look at ourselves and saying something here isn't right, there's something in me that maybe I don't like. There are automatic responses and attitudes, there are triggers to my emotions that need looking at and we've talked about these not least by looking at how God had a relationship with Adam and Eve in the garden there Adam and Eve humanity if you like in its original created form had the approval and acceptance and welcome of God had his time and his love and ever since that relationship went wrong there has been this tendency for us to look for our control of our own circumstances a sense of security that we can maintain on our own a, a, a different sense of purpose about what it is that we're chasing after in life in that garden the only thing that humanity needed was the purpose that God gave and his approval that was always present so what are we going to do as we look at who we are, look at how we tick, look at what makes us the kind of people that we are? How are we going to respond to that? We're going to spend a moment then looking at James 3, taking a look at what the writer has to say at that point about how we go about being the people that we are. Okay, we're in James 3 and we're reading from verse 13 to the end of the chapter and it says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, in inverted commas, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy, in selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now you can see dotted all the way through James's letter, just constant reflections back to Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. James seems to have really got hold of 
what Jesus is going for in that passage in, in Matthew 5 through 7. And he wants to revisit it and reinvigorate the church through it. I think it's really important that he says this. Oh, I'm going to find it now. There we go. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. People are going to recognise your wisdom and your understanding by the way you live. Not by how smart you are, how knowledgeable you are about the Bible. Although these things are, knowing our Bible is really important. They're not going to see that you're wise and full of understanding because you pray long prayers or because you pray every day or whatever else it might be that you feel is, is part of how you present your faith. They're going to see it by the deeds you do and the good life you live out of a humility. And that humility comes from wisdom. Now remember that wisdom has as much to do with good sense and the experience of God in your life as it has to do with anything supernatural. There is supernatural wisdom. I'm not saying it's not there. But there is like a joining of the two. There's a lot in uh, the way Proverbs talks about wisdom that has to do with this good sense approach. This kind of bringing in what you know God is like, how he works, what he loves, and also finding out or thinking back on what has worked previously, what's been good for the community and for yourself, for those that you love. And so it's that kind of acceptance that wisdom is a broad thing that allows us to say, let's live well. Let's live well by the wisdom that God gives us, both supernaturally through his spirit, but also by the experiences that we have lived through with him. Now, if we're going to live lives characterised by humility and good deeds, we're going to need to take every thought captive. We're going to need to tame our tongue. We're going to need to renew our mind. And we can't do any of those things without taking a careful look at ourselves, recognising who we are and what we're like. Letting other people, those, those who we trust the most, don't let anyone do this because it's a vulnerability thing, but letting people say, you know that thing you do? You might want to think about how you do that because it doesn't always come over very well. Or sometimes it sounds as if you're being less humble than probably you would like to be. For many of us, the world around us is characterized by people who are fast to respond, who are quick to feel offended, who are rapid in their emotional response. You remember that in chapter one of James, the writer James says, hang on, I need to flip back to it. I can't quite remember where I want to get it right. Let's have a quick look here. Where's it going? Oh yes. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There was a really strong marker there from James that says if you're a quick reactor, the chances are you're going to be reacting in a way that doesn't make space for the Spirit's wisdom, for God's wisdom, for the wisdom of your own experience of how Jesus would do things. You might remember 
not that long ago that we used to have the WWJD bracelets lots of people would wear them what would Jesus do and perhaps they're, they're not quite so um, sort of current anymore but but there is an it's important thing about that was not so much to debate about what Jesus would do but to have something in your eye line that said hang on a minute let me think about the best way to respond here rather than just doing the automatic thing because if we just do the automatic thing we're back to to what this river tells us that the power of that immediate response the power of our anger or emotional reaction can gouge its way through the landscape of our own life but also the lives of those around us if we're going to want to and pursue a way of living that is more jesus-like we're going to have to look at the flow of our own lives and say what needs to change here how does it need to be different do i need to channel the way water runs in my life the way emotions run in my life do i need to do i need to spend a bit of time with god and say show me where my sort of instinctive responses need to be more in check to, to check those desires as the, as the LICC courses kept referring to them. It is not an easy thing, but at the heart of this whole series and at the heart of discipleship is a recognition that we want to be more like Jesus, even more than we want that life to be easy. Jesus did say, come to me or you who are burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says the way he wants us to live is fitting with who we are he is not looking to tear up your personality and paste a new one over the top of you but he is looking for us to develop the person he's made us to be in a way that fits his idea of how humanity is designed to work let's pray lord jesus as the water roars behind me we pay attention to the roar that exists in our own hearts and minds. We recognise that we are yet to be as much like Jesus as we want to be. Father God, we, re we repeat our prayer that you would help us see what Jesus is like and become more like him. And we put ourselves not just in your care but in the care of your body the church as we seek to grow on our front line amen okay two questions and a challenge again this week first question is this no i tell you what we'll do one question and two challenges and we'll start with the challenge challenge one Find yourself at some point in the next couple of days, don't leave it too long, 24, 48 hours, find yourself a notebook and a pen. Take yourself away in a place of silence and solitude. Give yourself 15 minutes, no less, doesn't have to be much more, 15 minutes is, is enough. Sit down with that pen and paper and with Jesus and say to Jesus, show me how you want to transform my life, my personality, my outlook on the world. Show me the bits inside me that you need to work on. 
and show me how to work on them too. Okay, here's a question. And the question is designed to balance with that first challenge. And the question is this, what are the personality traits that you bring to the world, to your loved ones, to your friends and your family, that you think is really good? How can you see the image of God in your personality? And it might be that you need a couple of minutes to think about that. It might be that if you're in a group, it might be good to encourage each other by saying what you see in each other. But however it comes about, see if you identify one or two things where you think, I know that God's image is in me through that personality trait that I have. Okay, so here's the second challenge. There is uh, a prayer technique in the book, in the LICC book, Growing on the Frontline, called the Pause Prayer. I'd encourage you to have a look at that. Maybe to look at it together if you're in a group and to think about how you might use it. And then, and then over the next week, the challenge is to put it into practice, to, to put that Pause Prayer to work, to use in situations in the ordinariness of your day. So that pause prayer being an opportunity to bring God in in key moments. And it may be that you find that you need a, a version of the pause prayer that you can work through in 30 seconds or a minute. But to actually bring some of that technique into how you do day-to-day -day life this week. Okay, that's it from me. I really do hope that the audio has been okay for you with this session. I am aware that it's different from normal. Thank you for being with us. I look forward to catching up with you soon. Do take care and God bless.